listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next half hour or so we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. Hello. How's it going? I'm good, I'm good. How's it going with your New Year's resolutions so far? I feel January's sort of running at quite a pace, you know. Do you? Yeah, you know, just... Like go 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 go. Have you managed so. to keep off the sauce? Off the sauce. Uh, they've, you know, as, as, as you and I always say, it's part of the job. I know. It's you know, it's like a racing driver saying he's us. not going to drive. I know. You know? I know. And have you been uh, changing your diet just just during? Did you normally do that during January, or do you just? Yeah, I like the, well, the phrase on. we had a few weeks ago when this all started. Treading like, lightly. Treading lightly. I think that's. I'm trying. I'm trying to tread lightly. Are you? I've got some new soft shoes. <laughs> Yeah. Now, what did you call them the other day? House shoes. House shoes. As opposed to slippers. Do you know, I actually, I, I think, having reflected on that, I think it's an Asian phrase, actually. Is it? They talk about house shoes, yeah. I've heard of it ever. Yeah, freezing um, cold floors. Yes. So it doesn't matter that it's January because um, I haven't stopped eating anything in particular. I've just tried not to eat as much and better. That's one of the things we said, didn't we? I always think you eat quite well. I do eat very well, actually. Um, so uh, we're joined by Callum Haggerty of uh, Coco Chocolatier. Hi, Callum. How are you going? Hi, good, yeah, thanks. Nice good, to be here. Good, good. I, I do think you should have a little bit of chocolate, I, even though it's January. Oh, look, I, I mean... I have chocolate. Yeah, any, 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 anyone man. who gives up chocolate for January is eating the wrong chocolate. Uh, Could yes. I put that out there? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I brought some products for you all. Yep, that's good. Um, so, and uh, Thomas Whitaker of Tempest Foods. How are hey, you hey, doing? I'm very well, thank you. You? So, and we're talking meat. We are meat. Chocolaterie. Mm, indeed. So, good charcuterie through January. There's nothing wrong with charcuterie. I love, I love charcuterie. I mean, look, the whole, the I whole love point. charcuterie and pickles to go with it. Marvellous. It's all about, you know, good, yeah. smaller quality. So, um, so, yep. So during January, I feel quite relaxed. I'm going to eat some chocolate and talk about charcuterie. Have you brought any bit of pig with you? I did not. It's because bad. you've come on a plane, isn't it? No, I didn't come Who on a plane. plane? No, 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 you came on a plane. Trains, planes and automobiles. It's our most horrific time of the year at the moment. I've uh, literally run from a, run a, a, an ageing room to get here. So <laughs> well hence done. the reason we'll, we'll, ask, we'll be asking you all sorts of things about, you know, how it went for you at Christmas and um, and how you age stuff and, and what looks, you know, how, how we actually do that thing. Because you, you can't just do it. It's... It's got to be done properly because it could. You're be not quite... doing home charcuterie yet. No, because I'm worried. I, I, I'm worried it's a little poisoned. bit dangerous. If you go, yeah, if you don't get it right, is it botulism or whatever? So let's um, let's talk um, about Callum first. So Callum, uh, you've brought some really nice little bits of um, chocolate with you there. I know you've got a small team of what you like to describe as visionary chocolatiers, and they have a free reign to create unique flavour combinations with extraordinary experiences. You're about to be wowed. Um, no pressure, no pressure. They have a, You've been uh, reading our marketing bump, I see. Yeah, they have a portfolio of contemporary chocolate with the world's finest single-origin cocoa before enveloping them in original designs by independent artists. 
There you go. Can't go wrong, can you? Not really. So what have you got? Uh, what have you brought with you? What's so on? we have brought, um, we make lots of different chocolate products. However, um, our kind of bread and butter product, if you will, are our bars. So we have three different types here. They're all from Colombia. Um, the chocolate's from Colombia, I should say. We have our Isla Sky Sea Salt, which is a 60% dark chocolate from Colombia, as I said, um, with uh, the sea salt from Sky. Um, obviously, a lot of connection to our Scottish roots there. Um, we also have another milk bar, so a 40% Colombian. Um, this is our salted caramel bar. Um, I will pass that over there. Mm. And uh, another milk product. This is just our plain milk, um, so a 40%. Um, what we try and do with the brand is, well, I guess what makes us different is, is two things. One, the way we source, um, and two, the kind of visual aspect of it. Um, so the way we source we call Origin Made, um, and I guess to kind of understand what that is first, you need to understand a little bit about how the chocolate industry currently works. So predominantly what happens is big business goes into um, Origin, which is, um, I think, exclusively um, in kind of developing economies. Um, and mostly, I think about 70% of the world's cacao comes from West Africa. Yeah. So that's kind of the chocolate industry. What the big business goes in, they take the commodity um, at its raw... At, the lowest price it can get, which is obviously the bean. So they're getting the raw bean, they're taking it back to a developed economy, famously Belgium and Switzerland, um, where they create uh, all the wealth and then sell it to, to you and I. So that that's kind of how the industry works. The way we source is we have more of the product finished at origin before we take it over here and, and finish the product. So in our case, that's Colombia. Um, so they create our coverture and they're rare. Our partners out there are rare in the sense that there aren't many um, actual cacao growing economies making a product of a higher value other than the bean. Um, why that's important or why we think it's important is it keeps um, a large, well, firstly, it's a larger skill set there. So they're trained to do a, a better job, bigger tax take for that economy. Um, so these are all things that we think are important. Um, so, so they're sort of being supported, really, in, in a way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, Which we makes don't... It sustainable. Yeah, it, it's definitely sustainable. And I think, you know, if I look at the chocolate industry, and we all hear kind of horror stories about child labour and whatnot. And again, predominantly, you know, these, these stories come from West Africa. Um, for me, you kind of look at the industry and think, well, you know, what, what can they do better? And for me, things like fair trade are great. However, they're still... Really, we're just putting a premium on top of the lowest value commodity you can get, which is the bean, right? Um, for me, is if Origin of developing something or they're creating something with more wealth before they sell it to the developed economies in, in Europe and North America, then that to me is, it's not charity, it's just, it's business. And that's, you know, I have a passion for food, but I have a passion for business too. And, and I think... So that's what you're the way that, that I see that working. For you, that is more business sustainable and yeah, uh, exactly. and, it's, and it's fairer, I, I suppose. It, it's 100% fair and, and it's them um, capitalising on their commodity, which is, you know, despite what Belgium and, and Switzerland and the amazing marketing job that they've done, you know, clearly uh, the bean does not come from there. So, um, yeah, for me, it's kind of, you know, there's loads of obstacles to this. However, to, to me, that's a route. Um, our partners in Colombia have started to develop and, and actually, you know, it works for them. So, um, some really it's like always it. a great thing, the idea of Belgian chocolate. Oh, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's just... I'm gonna have a, it's a genius, taste. really. It's, it is it's, genius. It's marketing I mean, genius, yeah. Only in the sense that there is no such thing, as you say. No. Obviously, they're finishing it there and they've got a great yeah. heritage in that, but... Um, hmm. And tell us, tell us about, while I'm eating your chocolate, do you want some? Uh, Why not? Have a little taste. A bit of lunch. Um, mm, a bit of lunch. Um... 
tell me about the um, the the packets as well, because each one's got a different work of art on. Yeah, exactly. So as I said, the two things that kind of make us different, one, we've talked about the sourcing. And secondly, the way we try and present the bar is um, there's loads of chocolate uh, businesses and, you know, on the artisan craft end, like we are doing kind of funky packaging, which is great. But I think... When we first started, a question we would get a lot is, oh, we really love the design and we really love the wrapper. Who did it? And at the time, it was kind of like a bit of a dirty secret. And we were like, oh, God, it's like it's probably a stock image from somewhere. Um, so we kind of thought, well, this is a really interesting thing. And it's something like I, lo- I love food, I love business, and I love art and design. Um, so I try and marry all those three things together. Um, so we try and use... So rather than it being just nice packaging, we... Um, go to the artists and designers. We commission them to do pieces for us. Um, and we put them at the forefront of the brand. So on the front of our labels, you'll see the name of the artist, the name of the artwork. Oh, yes. so, this one's got... Um, the artwork is Otto by Rachel Hood. And that's on the milk chocolate bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of... We, we kind of stole the idea of, you know, you go to the Tate, you look at the piece of art, and on the right-hand side or left-hand side, you will see that description. That's kind of what we try and do. So, um, you know, there's loads... I think particularly in the UK, your average consumer doesn't necessarily know the difference between good chocolate and bad chocolate. However, we, we really are a gifting brand, so we try and present it in I a I can see a that being way. a gift, actually. Yeah, because exactly. It, just because of the way it looks. I mean, we've been blessed with some good chocolatiers on this programme, haven't we? We have. Um, it's one of my, my minor obsessions. Yeah, so... Um, you know, we've had a whole range, really, you know, including um, Paula, Paula, Young. Paula Young, which we really like. I mean, um, I'm quite interested in that dark one. I have to say, the salted caramel's not my cup of tea. A bit sweet for me. It's very sweet, the, yeah. yeah the, um, that's, that's really nice, the sea salt and dark chocolate one. Got a really it's, nice, long aftertaste. It's very sweet for a artisanal yeah, um, product. But, it, but in the broad spectrum of sw- sweet chocolate, it's not that no, it's sweet. Not. Mm. It's still a sophisticated dark caramel, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think where we try and place ourselves as a brand as well is we try and be very accessible. So because we are not, um, a bit like Paula Young that you mentioned, because we are not um, making from the bean, um, we don't necessarily try and accentuate flavours that other people might, so bean to bar producers might do, whether they're floral notes. We try and We try and aim this at um, kind of that middle market, which is, yes, it's a premium chocolate. Yes, it's quite expensive. However, we try and make it very accessible. So for those people that want to try up, you know, who are used to, like we all are in the UK, of being brought up on on Cadbury's and whatnot, it is it is infinitely better than that. Of but course. it's also like there, there's a connection they can make to it. And I think a lot of times if you buy a £10 chocolate bar, uh, it's been to bar, a lot of people won't get it. And I guess we kind of see ourselves as a bit of a, we see ourselves as a gateway brand in the different aspects, but one is, is certainly flavour, but two, also from an art and design perspective, we try and say to people, look, art and design is something for everybody and we mm. try and introduce them to artists and designers. So, yeah. It, we also had Willie's on, do you remember? Willie was a bit of a nutter, I have to yep. say. I, mean, I know Willie, he, yes, He's great fun. Confirmed, he's, confirmed nutter. He's yeah, a great, yeah. he's great yeah, fun. Sure and, and I think he's changed the chocolate scene a bit, actually, in his own way. Um, would you not say? I think, I think it started with Green and Blacks, who really mm. kind of mm. pioneered the 
not Cadbury's movement, we'll call it. Yep. Mm. And then... Ironically bought by Cadbury's. Uh, well, not, yeah, yeah. N- uh, not ironically. <laughs> Sorry, I think, not I think absolutely, yeah. Deliberately so. Absolutely yeah. deliberately so. You know, in the end, yeah, yeah. the best food and drink strategy if you're a young entrepreneur is to think yeah. about the person you can irritate the most, develop a brand that <laughs> will really them. irritate them, them, and then that is your exit strategy. Yeah. It's yeah, kind yeah. of it kind of works, really. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 101. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is 101. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is there has been this growth, but it's a really... You know, you and I often talk about the complexity of the gin market because it feels like there are so many gins out there. Mm. How are you kind of, I mean, obviously you've got two quite interesting stories, but is it quite hard to differentiate and stand out in the market or are you? Yeah, it's, it, it is a very crowded. And I think, you know, this business originally started back in 2004. So we were, oh, wow. we, we were quite early to it. Uh, but now, you know, we, we do a lot of trade shows and things and that's how we built the business really was um, from a B2B perspective was doing a lot of that. Um, and yeah, every time we attend one of these shows, there, there's a new kid on the block. You know, whether they're still there in 12 months' time mm. is... I think it's becoming more... We've definitely reached the stage of it's saturated. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, those USPs are difficult to um, really push forward. So we, th- we, we think we've got two quite strong ones. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think from the visual perspective, like we spend an awful lot of time on yeah. how we present as well, which I, I think is really important. 5D chocolate, do you remember them? No. They were the ones who, who, they look like little bits of sculpture. They're beautiful to look at. I don't remember those no, boys. maybe it wasn't on that one. No, maybe it wasn't. Oh. No, there you go. But I'm assuming from the accent and the fact you said you came here by train, you're yes. from very north of where we're recording this programme. I am north they've of got, the border. We've got a haggis <laughs> spice bar, chocolate bar. We do. I haggis. Was, I Tell was me you've bought it. Do you no, know what? Because I'm actually quite upset right now. We have. No, he hasn't. It's it's sitting <laughs> currently with an engineer. Uh, we have a new machine, a new wrapping machine, which is getting fixed as we speak. So it's sitting on the shelves unwrapped because it was on my list. I thought you guys might be interested in such that's, a thing. Yeah, but I think that's sort of some of the fun stuff. Mm, you know, I agree. Burns yeah, I, extravaganzas. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a ha- it's always one that, if I'm honest, the Americans love it. So they come over for like the Edinburgh Festival and whatnot, and they they leave with truck fools of. Haggis chocolate, chocolate that they never thought existed, but yeah, it's just like actually have meat in it though. No, no. So, so it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's vegan because, like, famously, well, famously north of the border. Anyway, haggis is um, you're, it's, it's banned in the states. Is so it? yeah, um, so we actually oh, so it's something to do with the awful or there, there's yeah. some We're weird thing about it. Yeah, oh, you right. maybe know more about oh. certain types of meat. They're, they're quite strict about, it, especially the US. So the yeah. phrase "it's banned in the states" should never be followed by the question "why," because oh. <laughs> normally it's like, "Oh, that makes sense. We love that thing. Therefore, of course, it's banned." Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that leads us uh, rather nicely um, to Charlie. The haggis segue. <laughs> Haggis segue. Charlie Thomas. Smealdy, sorry. Yeah. Thomas Whitaker. Sorry, Thomas. Um, uh, now, charcuterie, um, again, we've been uh, very lucky to have um, some good um, charcuterie. Charcutiers. Charcutiers thing um, on the programme. And, and it's, it seems to us that charcuterie is really taking off in the UK. Thank goodness. There are now over 200 charcuterie businesses in the UK compared to just 19 back in 2010. Um, and uh, most charcuterie, not all of course, uh, there's some some great other animal products, but most charcuterie is pork, which is the biggest consumed animal protein in the world. Thanks to China. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, they've and, kind of played um, the market a little bit at the moment because they've got some problems over there with their pigs. So uh, they have upped the price for the rest of us. Oh, <laughs> And bacon is one of the world's oldest meats, dating way back to 1500 BC. I do Before like the bacon butty. 
Hmm. Definitely. <laughs> no, because they would have made bread before that. They would, whether they, they thought about putting whether it, they put them together, put them together and, another then, and then combined it with, you know, mustard, proper ketchup or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, uh, Thomas, I know that you were on um, MasterChef. I was. Um, uh, in way back in, I can't remember what now. 2011. 2011. Wow. Long time ago. Yes. And uh, your sort of partner in crime, Drew Baker, Baker, was actually the winner in 2010. He was indeed. We were actually originally so meant to be in the same... how did you meet each other then? Was it through the programme or were you friends anyway? No, we, we, um, we were actually meant to be in the same year and then I, I can't even remember why now, but I had to pull out that year, so I ended up in the year afterwards. And um, when you finish the programme, if you end up sort of in the top few people, they try and hook you up with somebody who's done it before in order to kind of give you some guidance as to what will happen. Oh, okay. And as it turned out, he we lived around the corner from each other. Um, so we kind of, you know, got to know each other and did a few little sort of bits and bobs together and slowly kind of bumped into each other more and more and then shared a kitchen for a little while and sort of, yeah, just... So why did you both home in on charcuterie? Um... It was well. It was I mean, more basically. Sorry. If you're both, if you're both um, uh, master chef, mm. you, you know, finalists and winners. I mean, I presume you could really have, have gone in any direction, almost. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we both were in chefs, or you know, we still are to a certain extent, but both were chefs, and we were both kind of doing our things. But I've always been quite nerdy about the sort of technical aspects of preservation. So I, I lived mm. in Italy for quite a long time, and I got, was lucky enough to train with some decent people, um, and just got more and more and more nerdy about it, and you know. And then me and him were just talking one day and he was sort of asking about it because obviously being a chef as well, he was very interested in it. And uh, we sort of thought, well, he was ve- he's very good at putting together profiles. So he's he's very good at balancing spice and things like that. So I said, well, look, put some ideas together and I'll sort of, we'll make it together and I'll do the tech bit and you can do the flavour bit and we'll see where we end up. And we sort of made some stuff in a reasonably sort of Heath Robinson manner and it was really good. Um, and I think both of us, still are at the stage where we've got sort of young families and it was chef I love being a chef but it, it's not conducive to a life really you're sort of it's you know, tough yeah, it is it's tough. so we both sort of looked and thought what's the end game for us here well you know how do we end up staying in food but not necessarily working at 10 o'clock at night exactly. on a Saturday yeah. if you're lucky yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> we sort of came up with this idea and said well let's let's do some charcuterie work and we went we sort of put together a, a, a plan and we went to see two people that we knew and said, can you put some money in? And they both said yes. Um, and that was it, really. It was, there you it, go. It was reasonably straightforward. Um, that bit was straightforward. The rest of it <laughs> no, and, was... Yeah. And then you launched the business. <laughs> yeah. It was, It was. yeah. So explain to me um, exactly how you do preserve uh, food, for example, um, you know, in terms of charcuterie. It's exceptionally simple. Um, you are... Basically, if you can remove any sort of environmental factor that will allow bacteria to grow, then you can make it safe. So if you can remove air or if you can remove water or you can remove any number of things that are essential to life, then you can make a product safe. And the basic principle of adding salt to meat is that it pulls the water out. And once that water level drops to below a certain point, nothing can survive inside it. So it essentially becomes sort of inert in a way. Um, And that's the very basics of it, which is that you, you, you take enough water out to make something extremely stable. And that was done for thousands of years as yep. a preservation technique. Yep. Um, it's only in the last, you know, three or four hundred years that people actually see it as something that's enjoyable to eat because 
you know, it's preserved for... It's got its own taste, Absolutely. So speak, yeah. Um, you know, we do fermentation processes as well, so that it, there's a combination of things that get you to an end product, but yeah. the basic principle is that. So um, if you were to do this at home, and I know more and more people are trying to do mm. curing at home, and, and, you know, there's a bit of a movement of that, are, are there some inherent dangers that you just have to be absolutely careful about? Yeah, yeah, you, you can make people a bit sick, Um but I think if you did the, the very basic thing you need is salt. Um, now we use a curing salt. We use a very small amount of it and we use a very specific amount of it mm. because we like to know exactly what goes in. But w- with those two things, with salt and a little bit of curing salt, you know, you can make something that's very safe. Um, you know, you can make bacon at home very, very, very easily. You can make air dried duck at home very, very easily. It's not mm. difficult to do. Um, Tell just, me you've done that, Ollie. I you have, do all have, these I things. Mean, listen, I mean, I. I may push boundaries, but I've never, I've never tried and tried air. How would you make air dried duck? It's super easy. You just, you just get a duck breast and you put some cure on it and you um, leave it in your fridge, wrapped in a bit of muslin, and just hang it on a bit of string and it dries away to its heart's content. And then after about a month or so, you can eat it raw. It's a bit like a sort of a mini prosciutto, so to say. Um, it's really easy. It's one of the we do some classes occasionally, um, and it's one of the things we kind of teach people to do because it's something that you can actually do in a fridge at your house. I can't um, believe you haven't done it. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't done it. Oh, but I'll you send, know what? I'll send you soon, a method for it. It's very easy. So, soon I will have done it. <laughs> but again, I, mean, this, I, I, think, I think this is one of those things really interesting about, you know, if people do processes, yeah. they then appreciate the complexity of them. So we often, you know, we did at Christmas, we cured some salmon, mm. you know, and, you know, for me, I mean, you know, it's probably the same thing. Yeah. You know, I follow, I think it's a Tom Aitken recipe. It's loads of salt. It's um, uh, loads of herbs. Yep. It's a Nathan one I do as well. And actually, you get this amazing salmon at the end. Mm. And, you know, you buy, you know, you do buy like a 20 pound side of salmon from Billingsgate or whatever, and then you have it and it's amazing. But you do then appreciate, I think, the amount of work that goes into this, the amount of salt, the amount of flavoring. And then suddenly you look at your piece of smoked salmon that you buy in your supermarket you think oh, it's quite a lot of work that's gone into that I do well, think it builds appreciation I think I think if it's been produced properly yeah I think there's a lot of, of, of sort of smoked salmon thing where it's artificially been done I don't think it's actually been smoked it's at not, all yeah. Um, but yeah for, for real artisan we've had some great um, uh, smokers and uh, you know um, that's a real skill. fish people here and it is a real, a skill, real skill I think but but what I'd be worried about is, is not knowing whether I'd accidentally you know um done something so that so it would be unsafe because you can't actually see it or can you see it does you it get can, a bloom no, on it or no anything? you can't the, the 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 great arbiter of all these things is smell so basically if mm. something smells wrong it's wrong and if it doesn't smell wrong the chances are it probably isn't because mold is actually we're very we're very pro mold we like we like mold um, what cheese is after all well, absolutely yeah <laughs> it's uh it's 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 a very misunderstood thing mold mm. but um i mean we the process is it's difficult and easy in the same breath. You know, you, you need to know what you're doing. You need to be able to be very methodical and very scientific about it. And I think that's the difference is that... And that's the trick, isn't it? Absolutely. Almost. It's yeah. like baking, I suppose. It's a, a bit of a precision it is. thing. It's, it's, we actually, it's funny, it's the analogy we use. It's way more like being a pastry chef than it is like being a chef. You can't just chuck a bit of this and chuck a bit mm. of that. You, you kind of have to do it the right way, the same way, over and over and over again. Otherwise, you end up with some wildly varying results but um and probably just very salty results i mean yeah. that's probably the worst case scenario is you have something very very salty yeah absolutely um i mean we you know the, when we started the business we, we we set up our our processes were sort of good and robust from the beginning because we set it up a certain way but you know what, what we've learned is that 
you know, very, very, very minor, you know, talking about 0.1 of a percent difference between one batch and the next, it makes a noticeable difference, difference in taste. Yeah. So, um, consistency is everything. Absolutely. Isn't it? And then yeah. that's actually what the problem is with a lot of other charcuterie is that it, it isn't consistent. And when we've, I mean, we, you know, we, the only reason that we sell to the people that we sell to now because they've been down the British charcuterie road before and, and hasn't necessarily worked out for them. And one thing that they've all said to us is that what we're delivering to them is extremely consistent. And I think that's, you know, that that's good because that means that you can continuously rely on the fact that you're going to get a consistent product, mm. which from a retailer perspective is essential. So what do you do in terms of the brand? Because I know you're called Tempest Foods, but, but, but you know, what do you do for the brands? Because, for example, you're in um, our old friend, another person who's been on the show, actually, Moxon's, mm. you, you know, Fish, which is a great place, mm. isn't it? Moxon's. Um, so how do, you, how do you market your stuff? Um, we are very basic. Um, we, my, uh, my partner, Drew, is very good at um, sort of getting in the right rooms with the right people, but we, we work on the basis that if the product's as good as it is, then people will want to buy it. And it seems to have played out. I mean, we've ended up in some, you know, we sell for Selfridges. We do a lot of work with Fortnum Masons, um, La Fromagerie, Bailey and Sage. La um, Fromagerie. My yeah. local shop. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we just launched on American Airlines, um, which is quite cool. Um, right. And it's, a lot of it has been, you well, know. That must have been complicated. It was. Flying meat into America. 800 kilos sliced packed boxed delivered it, it took us a week to pack the order um but it's we, we we didn't actually go at it with a particularly specific brand in mind we we, we kind of came up with a name because we needed a name and we suddenly realized that we needed some packaging so we found a design agency does some packaging but the vast majority of it has literally been somebody introduces somebody you do a tasting and i would say you know 99 times out of 100 people seem to want to buy it so i mean it can only be we we won quite a lot of awards early on as well, which helped us. We won, help yeah, we won a best producer in the country in the first six months, and then we won Grandmaster Charcutier of the UK this year. Which, wow, I know, that's it's good. very grand. Loving that. And best Grandmaster. I know exactly. Mm. It's uh, it's quite it's a bit the Star Wars. Though, it, it, is, it? it is. It is. Um, um, do you get a, a cape as well? I, it would have been good actually if they'd give us <laughs> yeah. a cape. We only got a trophy. I might I might suggest to them I to do a next cape year, next, a cape next year. Yeah, absolutely. Callum, are you are you interested in charcuterie? pretty difficult thing to do i wish i was yeah i'm interested in lots of things but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't get any time to do any of them um yeah it's, it's, it well. yeah. yeah it's kind of all uh, yeah as yeah, you'll know um running your own so you two should get together because because Callum's amazing at the at the sort of gift end of food it's impressive i have to say i mean you imagine your stuff and he was talking about the way he was sort of talking about the branding i was like oh my god i'm so i'm so basic when it your comes charcuterie to yeah. and amazing gift it, packs i'd go for that yeah wouldn't you definitely much rather have that than Socks for Christmas. You, I, I can't house, house, me. What more can you ask for? for house Christmas? shoes. House shoes. I'm going to get you some house shoes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so so I think some of that amazing... Because charcuterie is not exactly known for its interesting packaging, is it? No, but it's interesting. You look at... I mean, obviously, we've had Monica from Brindisa on this before, who's, I mean, an absolute... She's been serious, actually. Yeah, she's, yeah she's, force she's, of nature. And really, you know... Great, great person as well. Great person yeah. doing so much for the food industry and one of those real unsung heroes I think who's really pushed the boundaries in lots of different ways and I think you know what's interesting is when you do go into those shops you know you're spending a lot of money on the hamons in there you know you are dropping 15 to 25 quid to get a decent chunk and you know actually it is there for a gifting opportunity as well as a special occasion mm. opportunity. so I actually think the branding part of it is really important yeah 
Who were those um, Cannon, pork scratching? Uh, yeah, pork scratching guys who did a pork scratching calendar. Oh, that's Advent snaffling calendar. pigs. They're doing really snaffling well. Snaffling pig. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. next year, think about doing a. Um, can you imagine that would be amazing? A meat calendar. Yeah, yeah. Add meat. Add chocolate. Calendar. And one meat in the other. We've done. Yeah. yeah, we just we did ours. But ours is a bit more traditional. The advent calendar being chocolate, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, the the pig guys, as I referred to them as well, they were. Um, they were actually on the stand next to us at uh, ISM and we kind of stole that idea as well. Once they started telling me how well their advent calendar was doing, I was like, okay. We're doing an advent calendar, yeah. We're doing an advent mm. calendar, yeah. But interestingly, their tactic was to be a gifting company that just yeah. happens to be food, which yeah. we thought was really, yeah, was really interesting, funny. actually. Yeah, um, I think that is, that's an important aspect of what we try and do as well is we try and... Our typical customer might not be someone that buys food at all. So they might be, we have an awful lot of like light, we try and see ourselves a little bit like a lifestyle company as well. So we have lots of lifestyle um, retailers and we might be the only food product that they sell. Um, so it's kind of like that a little bit more than just a food product. Mm. We try and sell it and people buy it for different reasons as well. Mm. Yeah, it was just a, I'm just a food nerd. It's like just spending hours in butchery rooms covered in bits of stuff. So where, where, stuff. <laughs> where do you do your molding? Uh, what our uh, what we yeah. do everything everything done in one place in sunny Waybridge. Um, sunny Waybridge, the aging, curing, butchering, all of it, keeping all control of, of it, and, absolute quality. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, we just I mean the one of the things we're super proud of is the um, the food that where we get our pigs from because everybody kind of talks the game about oh you know I use this breed of pig from this guy in this field and the reality is it's not actually that sustainable because essentially you're just growing more pigs when there's already loads of pigs and we. Um, introduce some, some very cool guys who are just dealing with sows and so we only buy sows now that are existing animals mm. in the food chain so there's no one's breeding any extra animals for us and we're actually utilising incredible animals that nobody else is using you know, most, point. which is you know, mm. for us it's great because we we feel good about the fact that we're using a great product but also not just making loads more pigs for the sake of it mm. Very good. So, so, yeah. So, um, we can go online, I think, uh, to get cocoa chocolatiers, can't we? Can you? Can, yeah. Can? So, um, but it's in all sorts of other places too. Yeah. So, we have, um, I guess, pl- places people would have heard of, the likes of Urban Outfitters, uh, Selfridges, Harvinex, um, all the department stores. Um, and yeah, cocochocolatier.com. Um, we actually put up a Food Talk 20 discount code. So if anyone's wow. interested, if you put in food top twenty, especially if you, uh, if you, you get twenty percent off. If you're cutting out chocolate in January and you want exactly. to stack up for first of now, February, the get in there yeah, now. now. Valentine's that's around very, the corner. Exactly. <gasps> Valentine's, exactly. Yeah, great Valentine's. idea. So that's very kind of you. Thank you so no much, problem. Callum. Um, and Thomas, where do you sell um, um, straight to consumer, or is it just business? No, no, we we only well we sell via sort of places like Fortnum yep. and places like that. But we're also online with Sackler. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They they they're kind of our main online portal, but we are more kind of, I suppose, more focused on the, the wholesale side of things at the moment. It, sure. It's something will grow, but but there's lots of places to buy it, yeah. but not directly from us. Yeah. Okay, but we will obviously put a link from mm. our website. Do you want to just finish off? We're just gradually getting to the end of January. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It's getting We're lighter. There. Getting lighter. It's beginning to... I know. Can't wait for it to be March and April. Not great in January and February. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard time of year. But it's, but it's also, you know, it's time of year when you get to do lots of sort of slow-cooked stews. Yeah, dumplings. Stuff, Love dumplings. You know, Chinese dumplings. Get the old suet out. Do you? Do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Do I made you? a steak and kidney pudding the other day. It was Did you? Gorgeous, yeah. God, you know, they're all so funny, the different things that you and I make. You make I a whole load of things that are totally different from my set. But it's the winter, so that's the sort of thing you need. Yeah. Some great skirts or shin of beef. Yeah. Maybe cheap cuts. 
And uh, kidney. Mm. Bit of mushroom in there. Bit of mushroom. Kidneys make great gravy, though. Great gravy. Yeah. When was the last time you had kidneys? A long time ago. Yeah, so you should. That might t- that might, that, no, there we go. There's another one to push kidneys my kids over the edge with. Kidneys fried in butter on toast. I did get the Dorset snails we, we got the other oh, day. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were great. They were great. I learned so much as well. So we have to go. Um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show and we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield, as well as being available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Thank you to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd. Chocolate and charcuterie. Can't get better than that. If you want to recommend any future guests, somebody doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, just like Callum, or keep forgetting you. I've got a thing about your name, Thomas. Call me Charlie. I don't know why. Why have I got a thing about your name? Uh, Callum or Thomas, um, then please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, you can go to foodtalk.co.uk or we're on the homepage of Speciality Food Magazine website. I hope you have a good week. Bye-bye.